Welcome to the APS Soup to Nuts podcast, where we explore the Attleboro Public Schools in greater depth. I'm David Sawyer, Superintendent, and with me today is Donna Maria Cameron, Principal of the Attleboro Community Academy, to discuss the ACA, our alternative high school. Donna Maria, welcome. Tell, us, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me. Well, let's see. I've actually been in education for 27 years, but that's not where I started. I actually got a degree in economics and history, and I went to work for the Department of Labor. And while I was doing my labor work, I had to visit schools, and I discovered that I have an affinity for working with teenagers, and I felt like I had gone home when I went into the high school. And so I went back to graduate school and got my master's in education. Voila! I landed in Attleboro and uh, taught history and English and have been here ever since the mid-90s. So it's hard to believe, but uh, this year you guys are celebrating um, a decade of graduates, right? Uh, how did the story of the ACA begin? Well, actually, it's kind of a long, twisted story. I think that I need to start back where in the 10th year of my teaching, um, Marianne Ward came to me and said, hey, Donna Maria, are you interested in working with at-risk youth in a Saturday program? And I said, sure, why not? Um, and I really liked it, and the students were really successful. And so we tried a variety of these different um, programs that met on Saturdays or after schools, and what we discovered was when the students returned to the general population, all the gains that they had made, they lost. And so it became apparent to me that we needed a separate school. I don't know if you remember, Dave, I can't remember if you came to me or I came to you, but I said we needed to do something different. So we formed a committee and we did some research and we asked who's dropping out and why. And we were surprised by our findings. 70% of our students who had dropped out had already passed the MCAS. And that really was in contrast with what the prevailing assumption was at the time. That's correct. The prevailing assumption was that kids were dropping out because they had academic struggles. And really, that wasn't the case at all. So then we said, well, why are they dropping out? And we broke it down piece by piece. We asked a question, and then we said, well, what's the solution? So the first thing we noticed is that the days are too long. The kids were either coming to school and then skipping out at lunch, or they weren't getting in until 10 o'clock. So we said, okay, we have to shorten the school day. Then we said, look at the mornings don't work. Kids all the time say, I can't get up. So then we said, all right, well, we need a night school. Then um, the next thing we learned is that schools are too big. They feel lost. Um, and so we said, okay, um, we need to create an intentionally small community. So in September of 2009, we took a leap of faith. We weren't quite sure what we were doing. And we opened our doors with 38 students. Um, so that experience really sort of, uh, you know, when you dug in on that research, it it confirmed the experience you were the experience you had had working with those at-risk youth that you know in many ways we were sort of like shoveling water uphill right like by trying to meet their needs the same way in the end 
we weren't uh, finding that success. So the, the, the sort of aha moment was to completely change the way we were delivering um, their educational experience. Absolutely. Um, I think it's not that you just have to throw out the box, but quite frankly, you have to stamp on the box. Mm. Everything is up to be questioned, and the driving question is what works best for students. Um, And so, for example, our passing time is 10 minutes long as opposed to only five minutes because we know, brain research tells us, that that's better for them. Um, And we actually don't have classes on Fridays. We have, they go to work on Fridays. But the reason why we don't have class is because I knew that kids wouldn't come to school on a Friday night. And so why set them up for failure? Yeah, can't can't say I blame them on that one. Um, So things have come a long way since those early days. You know, you started off as an evening diploma program and Things have evolved to the point now that you're a separate and distinct school. Uh, How did we get from there to here? Okay, so first of all, we never really expected that um, kids would be banging down our doors. And we needed to figure out a way to address that capacity. And every time we came up with a problem, um, we would try to find a solution. So one of the things that we discovered is, so our original name was Attleboro Evening Diploma Program. We were embedded in the high school. And, um, but a student was trying to get into the armed services and he was getting pushback because the diploma said, evening program and that wasn't being recognized as a high school diploma even though it was so one of the things we did early on was change the name to Attleboro Community Academy and in order to do that and to separate from the high school we had to get our own high school code and we got it under an alternative education code which um, gives us more funds and more flexibility. And so from there, we started to do things like expand our faculty. We started with all part-time teachers, and now we have core subject teachers that are ours. Um, We started to look at the changing demographics of our students and um, meet those needs. Some little things are we decided to make it a requirement for every student to take yoga. This was way before we were talking about social emotional learning. It was just made a lot of sense to me because a lot of our students came in saying that they had anger issues. And you know what, I wanna stop and um, tell you that a lot of the students in the admissions meeting says to me, um, I'm just lazy. And I hate that word because it's not true. You're not lazy. You're unmotivated. And it's my job and the school's job to unlock that key for them to help them find what motivates them. Um, And they all think they're failures because honestly, in a sense, their only experience is failure. They're failing at school. The vast majority of them are overaged and undercredited, um, which if you don't know what that means, just think of it as when you get into kindergarten, you know when you're going to graduate high school, and now that you're in high school, you're not making that benchmark. So anyway, that's their experience. Their experience is failure. So of course, that's how they're going to feel about themselves. So it's our job to build them up. 
So that seems like a, a key insight to the, to the whole initiative, the idea that, you know, if we just look at the problem differently, we can get a different result, right? This idea that, you know, it's not that these students are deficient, right? You know, it's not, it's not that you're lazy, it's that there are other problems that are getting in the way, right? They're unmotivated. Um, by the way, I, I might use that one at home. Um, so is that like really the key here that we have to shift the way we think about these students and the struggles that they're having as a way to uh, meet their needs? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, first of all, I know that we all, anybody, everybody in education, we all care about each kid. But for these kids, um, they're so far outside the traditional student that it's difficult to meet their needs because you have to dig deep to find what those needs are. Um, I believe that we have a moral imperative to do so and that only a small environment will give us the opportunity to do that. Um, I believe that success builds success and failure builds failure. So it's really important that we get these kids some positive experiences. Um, I'll tell you another story. I had a student, when we started, we took students up to the age of 24. I had a student and dropped out of school when she was 16, and she came back and she was 22, and she had a child, so she was an adult woman. And she told me, well, the first time she ever got, she got an 87 on a test, and she went home and she hung it up on the refrigerator, just like she was hanging up her daughter's pictures on the refrigerator. And that, that's a really powerful story, because it just goes to tell you that we all want to do well. We all want to be successful. We just don't know how. And it's my job to figure it out. Um, and, you know, of course, my teacher's job as well. So, and I have to say that what's really important is that we hold the bar high for them. Have to be really careful that we don't enable them. That we recognize where they're starting from, but that the finish line is the same finish line as any other kid who went through high school because otherwise it would just be um, something that was just all smoke and mirrors and they know that believe me they know better than most of us when somebody is speaking truth to them and when somebody is just pulling the wool over their eyes and they wouldn't feel good about themselves you've been at graduation right those faces are amazing yeah they're very sincerely proud of their accomplishment yeah so it seems like, you know, what we're talking about here is the nature of alternative education itself, right? You know, at the, at the intro, I talked about how the ACA is our alternative high school. Uh, and what I hear you telling me is, is that while we think differently about what our mission is, um, at the, we are at the same time um, still reaching, you know, high expectations and making sure the kids meet standards and that we're preparing them for, you know, the, the, the world beyond education. Because otherwise, you know, what is this really about? Because it seems to me that this is more than just about keeping our graduation rate high, right? Um, you know, we could just lower standards to get that done quite easily. It seems like alternative education is trying to do something very different from that. 
Absolutely, absolutely. So first of all, alternative education is not the same thing as a behavioral program where the emphasis is on changing behaviors. Our students' behaviors change, but they change because they are stimulated and challenged and then are given the emotional supports. Um, so it's a really hard for me to break this idea that somehow alternative means less than, while actually it's quite the opposite. In a traditional school, um, often we have high standards and um, flexibility and compassion work against each other. So um, what happens is everybody has to meet the same benchmark. And so the child who's not coming to school because maybe they're home working during the day or taking care of a sick parent, um, the response is, well, you have to do everything exactly the same. They're well-intentioned, don't want to cripple the child, but the child can't do anything about it. We also have this other dilemma, which is that a kind, well-meaning teacher will say, um, the kid's really just having a good time, let's just pass them on, that's the most compassionate thing we can do. Well, honestly, in alternative education, we say that that's unconscionable because we cannot enable them and we need to let them know that while the world isn't a horrible place, it's also not going to bend over backwards for you. So it's my responsibility to have high academic standards in an environment that's caring and compassionate. And that's why intentionally small is really important. You know, I was thinking, uh, when thinking about this conversation, well, what exactly are the characteristics? And I thought, well, we solve problems in real time. A, a large school can't do that. Uh, that has to go from the teacher to the dean, then the dean has to call the student in, and then meet with the teacher, on and on. But me, I can be there just like that, and we can problem solve while it's happening. Um, nobody gets that build up and holds that anger inside of them for days at a time. Uh, we make sure that we um, do a lot more hands-on learning. We refer to that as experiential learning, and they're going out into the community. And we also talk about depth over breath. Um, so it might not be that, let's take my English 4 class. Well, in the high school, they might be reading three or four um, pieces of literature. Well, in the academy, they're really only reading one, but they're still digging deep into the text and they're doing, they're learning all those same skills. And then we work with uh, backwards design, which means we're always thinking about where we want to be, where we want to end up, and then go backwards from that. And another thing is I talk a lot with the teachers and the kids about what does failure mean. So remember I said failure breeds failure. So it might take a student really um, two rounds of let's say English 3 to pass the course. Um, but they don't get an F after the first round because 
we don't need F marks on our soul. It's kind of like if you've ever been fired from a job, do you put that job on your resume? No, you don't. So why should it have to sit there on your transcript? When you meet the benchmarks, then that goes on your transcript as your grade. All those tiny little things collectively make a big difference. In fact, the other thing I was thinking about is when I think about the amazing work that the high school is doing, yeah, there's experiential learning going on over here, there's backwards designs going on over there, um, there's people asking about grading practices and depth versus breadth, but this is about a coordinated effort of putting all those things together into one whole, and that's what alternative education means. So <clears throat> uh, some of your students uh, do go on uh, to post-secondary schooling. So that, you know, you are preparing your graduates for that option. Um, but I assume some of them don't. That's correct. Um, so help us to understand uh, a student that, you know, has had trouble um, in, the, in the gen ed setting, right, and has probably, you know, spent uh, their capital there and is, is facing down being a dropout. If they're not motivated by the desire to continue their education past high school, what does motivate them to come back and to try the ACA and to, 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 to finally get over that finish line? Um, what's, the, what's the payoff for them? For them? Well, there is an intrinsic payoff, which is that they feel better about themselves. And very interestingly, there was a study done, I don't know, about 15 years ago, and it looked at high school graduates um, who did not go to college and then students who went to college for a year and dropped out and then at college graduates and then students who went on to get their masters and dropped out and what they discovered was that the students who went to high school and never went to college were doing better than the students who dropped out of college and on and on so the message is that that profound experience of failure stays with you so the very first thing is that they feel better about themselves and you know to be honest not every student goes on to be you know a CEO of their business but if they feel better about themselves and they feel more confident about themselves, then they're more likely to be making healthy decisions. They're going to be better parents if that's what they choose. Um, these, these kids are more likely to stay in Attleboro. And so then their children are going to the Attleboro Public Schools. And maybe they don't go to college, but their children's go to college. And these were the people who were working and living here and contributing back to their community. Um, and I don't think that any 16-year-old knows what they want to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do at 16. I was just told what I had to do. Um, and quite frankly, I thought I wanted to be an economist, and look what happened to me. Um, my son is just thinking about going back to college now, and he's in his mid-30s. Kids don't, you don't have to go to college to get something out of your high school education. Yeah, well, it sounds to me like you're describing that, you know, the, the ultimate lesson is how to be successful, and that that carries, you know, a positive momentum into whatever they do next, regardless of what it is. And I think your point that, you know, these are the, you know, the, the students of this community, right, and they stay with us, I, I think we all benefit from the fact that 
uh, you're successful in getting them to, to stick with this and to get to that to that end, that end line. Absolutely. And, you know, you couldn't have said it better about, you know, what failure means. I'm going to have to remember that, in fact. Um, and, yeah, the other thing is that part of the reason why the school's grown is because I have a lot of siblings and cousins. So now we see an entire generation of an extended family that's making change. And so there's a change in the culture of the family. And as a large family unit, they start thinking about different dreams um, for themselves and for the future of their children. Yeah, that's wonderful. So what does the future hold for the ACA? Well, we're super excited about the new building. I don't, I don't think I mentioned, we go to school from 2 p.m. to 8.15, and we live inside the Attleboro High School building. When the day school kids leave, our school, our kids come in, and we share all of the space. And in the new building, we're going to have our own dedicated space. Um, we have our own entrance, everything. And again, that's about pride for them, pride and ownership. This is our school. And, um, but that space was designed for us to expand again. I have always had the vision of the school running from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. with different populations coming in and out at different times based on their needs. And so, as you know, Dave, we're talking about expanding to add a seventh and eighth grade component, which would take place during the day. Um, And then, you know, we're playing with it, but maybe capture some time while everybody's there together so the older kids can mentor the younger kids um, and that we can feel like we're a cohesive community. Um, It's exciting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if anything, the last 10 years have taught us is that if we do alternative education right, it can be successful <clears throat> for, you know, for the, the students who struggle the most. And not only is that good for them, but it's good for the teachers that you know, are struggling to serve them. And it's, a, it's also a benefit to the other students uh, who are you know, sort of you know, uh, innocent bystanders to those struggles as well. So as, a, as an entire district, um, you know, it's, it's in our interest to, to find success for everybody. And so... The idea that we don't really offer this alternative path until, you know, much later in their high school career is something that I think we both want to address um, because a lot of these students, you know, we probably can guess who they are uh, well into middle school um, and yet we wait uh, for things to get, you know, worse and worse and worse before we finally offer them the thing that makes them successful. So if we can grow this program, um, you know, develop the school to have uh, the lower grades, then we can address these kids at an earlier age and who knows how far we can take them if we have more time with them. Exactly. And, you know, it's funny. When we started, we said that the students had to have um, completed their second semester, I'm sorry, their first semester of their sophomore year. And what we were doing was in that they had to have 30 credits. Was we were waiting for them to flunk out because we wanted to make sure that they couldn't be successful. Well, guess what? We were wrong. 
As yep. soon as they were struggling, we should have stepped in. And so now, yep, we're looking at the seventh and eighth graders. The first thing that I have to do when they come to us is that I have to break bad habits. Um, every time people say, oh, they're trying again, they really want to do this, I bet they're really easy to work with because they're motivated. And I say, no, they're motivated in their hearts, but that's different than what they're experiencing. And actually what they've experienced is that as soon as something goes wrong in school, um, they go, up, oh, stop, see, I told you I can't do it. And then I have to really work with them to break through that wall. So if they don't have as much of those experiences, right, exactly, who knows what they can accomplish by the time that they graduate. Well, I look forward to the day we find out. Thank you. Um, Damir, you recently announced uh, your intention to retire in June. Uh, any reflections on your career here at APS? That's really tough for me to answer. This is my life's work. I feel blessed, to be honest with you, to have worked with Dave. Dave and I go back to the, um, I was here when he started and we started in the same department. Um, and being given the opportunity to really build something. I don't know what I'm going to do from here, but I know that I will continue on trying to make a difference in whatever community that I'm in and um, that I can feel good about what I accomplished here. And I'm really grateful to everybody here, especially, quite honestly, the students. They just enriched my life so much. And I carry all 384 of those graduates in my heart every day. Well, there are a few people who can claim to have done as much for our most disadvantaged youth over the last 10 years. Um, it has been a pleasure to serve this community with you and uh, hopefully to support your efforts. Uh, I promise to honor your legacy by ensuring the continued growth and success of the ACA, um, the program that you, you, you know, single-handedly brought into existence and have nurtured into the school that we have today. Uh, on behalf of all those students whose lives uh, you played a part in transforming, I want to thank you for your commitment um, to their betterment and to that of this community. Thank you. Until next time, thank you to all of our listeners of the APS Soup to Nuts podcast. <laughs>